Hey everyone, we're back with District 3 Podcast, episode 179. My name is Edivin. And I'm Rachel Sanchez-Smith. Joining me for another episode, Rachel, thank you for joining me. And just to let people know, you know, some background news of what just happened. I recorded a lot of, we recorded some some good stuff, uh, nine minutes worth, and then I realized that Rachel's mic wasn't on. And that's okay. And that's okay because it's happened to me several times, more times than I'd like to admit. And you were telling me that you were impressed 179 episodes in that this is the and first time it's ever happened. And that this is the first time, yeah. I've been five interviews in and this has <laughs> happened, so. I've had other stuff bad. happen, like, uh, where I realized I wasn't recording at all. That happened once. And, oh it, and we were like. It's like a journalist nightmare. We were like an hour in to this interview that <clears throat> see that's where you really like that's where it's okay to break down a little bit I, ca- I almost did but luckily the person that i was was uh, recording with me was like a really good friend so they understood okay and we were all right and we recorded later so it wasn't no problem but um i'm glad that you make me feel better by telling me that it happens <laughs> it does it does happen recording equipment and sometimes you do everything right and sometimes look at me double know. checking right now make sure, <laughs> make sure i'm recording well, uh, thank make... you for letting me join Ooh. for another episode yes i'm glad you're here it's been a, it's been quite a, a while since the last time that you I were know. here oh i'm excited to be back i, I think it's been Garner. yes yes and one of the things that we were talking about just real quickly um mm-hmm. on that episode that unfortunately was deleted <laughs> um is that there's an exhibit of uh, Diego Rivera here in uh, in Bensonville at the moment, and uh, we're I guess we're trying to make it trying to make it. Yeah, uh, we're trying to go. Um, there's a free exhibition, you know, the Friday that we're recording this. But one of our past um, guests that we had on Duo Divinas um, is featured in the exhibit, so it's something we'll just we'll have to go. Yes, <laughs> shout out Duo Divinas, and then shout out also to Alan Toxic Rodriguez, who will be. Um, also doing a uh, a presentation there um, during uh, Pintura Fest, I believe that's what it's called in in Bentonville. But I'm excited about today's episode. We're joined by a, a good friend, uh, Wendy Echeverria. Thank you for joining us today, Wendy. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little tired, but good. And I was I was telling you that uh, you know it's it's been a while since we've tried to make this episode happen. So I'm mm-hmm. glad we're finally yes, here. Yes, we've been wanting to interview you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry. It's like we, we you don't gotta apologize. I feel like uh, you know you. we're busy. We're yeah. busy people. So the fact that yeah. that you're here, I really appreciate that. And I'm just excited to learn about you know not only what you're doing you know in the journalism space and in, in in the PR space, but also you know your advocacy um, mm-hmm. of, of MS. Um, which is, I believe, is something that a lot of people don't know, you know, what it consists of, you know, what that journey looks like for people. So I'm excited about you being here so we can educate people. Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, if we have some questions, we can we can do some follow up, too. Um, But I guess starting off, we we like to, like, start really at the beginning of people's lives whenever we interview people. Me, too. Um, I do. I do. We like to get that that deep connection. But um, you're originally from California, right? Yes. Los Angeles, California. And you were born there, um, and you moved to Arkansas when? I moved to Arkansas when I was around eight or nine. I'm pretty sure it was eight, maybe nine. I just don't remember. But anyways, I moved when I was really young just because my parents at that time, when we lived in Los Angeles, it was um, there was a lot of violence, mm. and um, they just wanted me to be safe. And so we basically came to Northwest Arkansas, um, to visit my aunt, who at the time was working, or I mean, she still works for Tyson, um, but she was here with her family, and my parents just loved Northwest Arkansas and the environment. It just seemed really safe, and the education system seemed great. It was cheaper to live here as well. They could own a home, because in, in Los Angeles, we we couldn't afford a home. I wish. It's expensive. <laughs> it's so expensive. Especially, oh you know, now it's even more expensive. Like oh, I, I do this. Yeah. I say I say this, but like I'm not joking. Like I went to California uh, two years ago to mm-hmm. Carmel by the Sea. Have you ever been there? It sounds familiar. It's in Monterey County. Beautiful, yeah. Ocean. It's like good, good rich pictures. people live there. I think yeah. uh, there was a shed that was almost a million dollars for sale. It <laughs> oh was like God. it was like nine hundred and something, a uh, hundred thousand dollars, and it was like. I say it's a shed. My wife says it was more of a like a small a small barn the kind of thing. Tiny home. But I, like, I like to exaggerate a little bit, so I'll say a shed. But even right. still, yeah. For the, it was a small, you know, a small like uh, kind of a ho- small home. Yeah. Nine hundred and something thousand dollars. That's ridiculous. I'm curious. What did eight year old Wendy think of this move? I so 
I loved LA. I loved Los Angeles, and I had you know my f- my family, which was my mom, my my mom, my sister, and my dad. But I also had friends in Los Angeles. I just loved LA. I loved the environment. And coming to Northwest Arkansas at the time, at first I loved it too because I had family here too. But when I started going to school here, that's when I started hating it mm. because I felt like, oh my gosh, my friends, I miss my friends, I miss the environment, I miss LA. And so um, I would go home every day and cry. <laughs> Yeah. When I was younger, and I would tell my mom, like, I'm moving to L.A. one day, I'm leaving. Um, and I remember, like, always wanting to go back because um, the person that I was actually named after, she lives in Los Angeles, and she was a big part of my life. And I, you know, I missed her, and I missed her family, and so it was, it was hard when I was young. Um, but now it's better. <laughs> I mean, I still go back every year, and I visit her, too, and I visit my family. And every time I come back, um, no joke, I have like a little panic attack and Mm. it's probably because of the I don't know this I don't know if it's like sadness or that I miss the environment or that I just miss LA I but LA for me is just home Mm. so every time I go back I just fall in love all over again I don't want to come back even though I love Northwest Arkansas I love 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 it um don't get me wrong but I just I love LA I don't know why maybe that's where you're meant to live I know are you a big city so. gal at yeah. heart? Well, okay, New York City was not my favorite, and I lived there for, like, maybe two months. Mm-hmm. Not my favorite, but L.A. is. I don't know why, you know? But New York City, they have a great public transportation. <laughs> oh, my God. Can't get past it. that. Yeah, like, <laughs> I love their tra- transportation, but I love just the Los Angeles, like, environment. It's just so chill. When you when you moved from, from Los Angeles over here, mm-hmm. I still have, like, when I moved, because I moved here when I was 10. Yeah. And I still have, like, distant memories of what I brought, like, besides my clothes. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you remember what you brought? Like, what you said, like, I want to take this to Arkansas. Like, if it was, like, a doll or, like, yeah. a toy or something. Yeah. I actually have a few things still with me. So mm-hmm. when I was in Los Angeles, I used to go to um, – I attended this elementary school in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. And so one of my tutors um, – she went to UCLA and so she gave me this like pink stuffed animal and I still have it Mm. like I heard and her name was Peggy remember (laughs) um but she gave me this pink stuffed animal and I and I still have it but that was one thing that I was like I'm always going to keep because I loved her so much every Saturday I would go to the school and she would help me with like reading math and everything that I needed she was incredible um and we even took like a UCLA tour, like UCLA tour, and all that. She was incredible. Um, I have that. And then um, the woman who I was named after, her name's Wendy, of course. <laughs> um, they actually had this like rock. Um, her daughters, I think it was her daughters, they painted. Um, so the rock, they basically painted their house on the rock. If that makes sense. Yeah. And mm. so the rock is set like basically like it was like. Not an image, but a painting of their house. That's what I meant. Um, and they gave it to me, and I mm. still have it. Aww. Like I, yeah, every time I see it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's her house. You know, I always <laughs> think about it, and I don't know if they know that I have it, but I still have it in my room. <laughs> I always look at she it. She kept the rock. I know. <laughs> she still has it. <laughs> it's beautiful. If I bring it to you and I show you, it's beautiful. It, honestly, I don't know who, if it was her oldest. I think it was her, her oldest daughter who like painted. Mm. Um, like their house on the rock, but it was beautiful. I mean, it's still beautiful to me, but I, I still have that. So I, I brought those things with me, as well as clothes. I mean, those mm. things don't I don't don't fit me anymore, of course. But <laughs> I threw them away. But those two things have. Yeah, now if you told me you still have the clothes, that would. <laughs> <been fine. laughs> yeah, like, what's wrong with you? I mean, I mean you're, you're hoarding too many things. Let it go. Let it go. That's uh, such a good question. I want to shout that out because I, a lot of the people that are on this podcast, like mm-hmm. ha- at some point have usually moved here um and that's such a like especially if like you moved here when you were a kid Mm -hmm. you know you know what you bring and especially like uh, a lot of us just drove here or and you you can only take so many things and Mm -hmm. it's just the the memories of like yeah you know i'm I'm choosing this special thing and this will make the journey with me that's just an awesome question (laughs) i think that like for me the reason why i ask it is because i remember what i left Mm. what i couldn't bring same you know there was 
we we came over here in my dad's black it was like a black uh i think it was a corvette mm-hmm. it was like a like a old corvette and we couldn't fit that many things yeah. so i had because i've always been a pro wrestling fan so i had like a big wrestling ring and i had like 30 pro wrestlers that my mom had bought like throughout my birthdays and my and christmases and stuff yeah. so i had a lot and my parents were like we can't take all that like yeah. you have to leave that here and or and and they left it to like my uncle who was supposed to give it to my grandma in Mexico so that mm-hmm. she could give to like uh, like kids that don't have any toys in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well I guess it makes me feel better that if I'm gonna leave these toys here, at least some kids in Mexico that don't have it can enjoy it, right? Mm-hmm. And then I go to Mexico like three years later, my grandma's got some of them in her living room. I'm like, grandma, <laughs> you kept <laughs> you kept you kept my poor wrestlers, grandma. You're supposed to give them to kids. But she got like three, and the rest she gave them away. She just really liked those three. Um, but yeah, that's that's why I thought about it. Yeah, I, no, and that resonates because I think more than the yeah. things that I brought. Like I remember the things that I left. I remember I had to leave my dog that I like, mm. oh, I love, but she was just too big and like wouldn't fit in the car, and it just mm. would not have been a good environment. But ten year old Rachel was like, take all my stuff. I just want to take <laughs> my dog. Mm. <laughs> but it's just it's just those memories that like. I will never forget that. Where did you move from, Rachel? So um, my family is from Peru, and mm. I grew up here in Arkansas, so we were actually leaving Arkansas. Um, for a moment, my mom um, thought Florida was the vibe, um, and we didn't. We sold all of our things, mm. like just what what was in our car, and we went there, and then we were there for like four months, and we're like, yeah, this is not the vibe. Florida's the vibe a- for a weekend. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it is a vibe for a vacation. We still go there every year, dip. but <laughs> not to live. Not to live. It was actually, it was a very interesting time. What but part re- in Florida? It was like an hour away from Orlando. Okay. So, mm. and also, yeah, stories from there. <laughs> but I remember coming back especially because at that point, like, we really had nothing. We had sold everything, everything mm. in our house. Yeah. Um, and so I remember coming back um, and I had adopted, like, a little Chawini that mm. he saw me from, like, elementary to college. And mm. it was me and him and my mom. And, like, Damn. I remember we came back around Thanksgiving time. Yeah. And around the Black Friday sales, we're like, girl, we're going in. We're buying <laughs> everything because we got to stock up. Yeah. Mm. And so her and I were, like, duking it out at Walmart with people uh, just yeah. trying to get stuff. Yeah. But that's, like, I will never forget that because... Also, uh, Black Friday used to hit different when you were a kid. I feel like nice. nowadays they're kind of boring. Yeah, I tried going like Thursday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I tried going to one this this year because I, I forgot I was looking for a PS Five. Mm-hmm. I wanted a PS Five. It's the only thing that I wanted to go buy on Black Friday, and I and you just look dead and people yeah. just look sad. And I was like, damn, I'm, I'm leaving now. I'm, this is boring. <laughs> yeah, it used it's to be exciting. <laughs> Yeah, to get up in the morning. Yeah, I remember like going up with your parents and just mm-hmm. being in line and yeah. just like go to Best Buy and buy a DVD player or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Some yeah. Now it's like every movie's available online. You don't need a DVD player. Yeah. Like, what it's do you not the need? same. What, it's not the same. What do you even need? Not to get too off track, but when I did want to ask you, um, like, what interested you initially in journalism? Mm-hmm. What kind of brought you to this crazy world? Um, so it was a person, Jose. So, it, and the way that it happened was so funny. It was so weird. Um, I was, I was in high school, and I was going to the life program mm. at NWAC. And so, um, they had like an event happening, and we had to do like a skit or something. And so I did the skit, and then all of a sudden, after the skit. Jose comes up to me and tells me, "Have you ever thought about going in, into journalism?" And I'm like what? Yeah, <laughs> like, what is that? Yeah, like, I'm like, what does acting have to do with journalism? Yeah. <laughs> and so we started talking, and he was like, why don't you come to Limke, um at the University of Arkansas, which is, it's called Limke Journalism Project. Right? Yes. Um, so I was like, okay, yeah. So I started thinking about it. We started connecting more. Um, he became sort of like an, a mentor. Um, I went to the program, loved it, and that's how I got involved because of him, just kind of randomly saying, like, have you ever thought about journalism? I was like, no. Mm. Okay. <laughs> sure. Sometimes and for those, that's all it takes. Yeah. Just, it's just, just one person, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, j- for those people that don't know, the Limke Journalism Project essentially brings um, kids from underrepresented high school high schools in Northwest Arkansas and, like, kind of around the area um, who have an interest in journalism, and it brings them. It's a free program. Um, and they bring them to the university and they give them like a tour. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, one thing that like looking back now, I'm like, people would pay 
I mean, parents do pay yeah. upwards of thousands of dollars for yeah. s- their kids to get a program that's similar to that mm-hmm. and something that's offered for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so for like six weeks, they come every Saturday uh, and these kids are like mentored. They write a story. Mm-hmm. They get to know like a lot of speakers. Yeah. What about the program like spoke to you? Well, what did you like about it? I think the, the professors at the time um, who are part of it and then the mentors as well. And I think just having um, that support of writing a story, any story that I wanted to do. At the time, I was like, I'm going to do fa- fashion. Mm. And so they helped me. They helped me write a story about this you know, local fashion, um, fashion artist or fashion designer. Fashion designer. Um, and so I think just having that support, um, getting to know people, feeling a little bit more confident in myself being on camera because that was another um, another opportunity that I had when mm-hmm. I was in the program. They let me be on camera, and so that was a lot of fun. But, yeah, I just I loved the people, you know, at the time. They were amazing. And I still love the people, right? Um, they, they are new. Every, everyone's kind of new. The mentors are new, sort of. Some of them are, are old. Um, but I, I just loved them. Just the people, honestly. Did you foresee journalism being a career that you could like feasibly do, or did it ever really run you like cross your mind before that? Um, before the program, yeah. No, actually, no. I well, I always thought. Okay, so I loved Univision, mm-hmm. and so I would always watch like every morning. Primer Impacto, and yep. like you know, six a.m. Yes. <laughs> I loved it, yeah. and so I always thought about. it. I'm like, man, I want to be like her. Actually, I met Marilena Fanina. Oh, did you? Yes. That's bucket list for me. She was like, she's cool. She's so pretty. But so, um, like, I always wanted to be like that. Or Jorge Ramos, you know? Yes. And so I I always wanted to be like them, but I never thought that, you know, that could be a, a possibility. Um, but, you know, going into the program, after the program, I, I sort of did think, okay, maybe this is, for me, maybe this is the path. And I actually... I went in. I actually went to NWAC and not the University of Arkansas for school after that. But um, during that first year, I switched my major, so I went into business. Mm. And then all of a sudden, I was like, "Nope, this isn't for me." <laughs> I like I didn't even take classes in business, but I was like, "No, I want to do journalism. This is what I want to do. Um, I want to talk to people. I want to tell stories." And you know, I want to be on TV and be mm. famous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not on TV or famous, but whatever. <laughs> but um, initially, no, I didn't really think that that could be my career path before the program. And for a lot of people, like in the journalism world, I feel like there's kind of a moment, um, either if you're on camera or after you record something or when you hear yourself for the first time or when you get a newspaper, it's like, oh my gosh, that's me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm on there. It feels, <laughs> it feels really good. Yeah. And then you want to do more. <laughs> do you prefer, like, being on camera? What is your kind of different, what's your shtick? Oh, gosh, no. I feel like <laughs> I want to. I want to have the confidence to be on camera, but I feel like every time I am on camera, I freak out, mm. and then I don't do it. I have, like, a panic attack, no mm. joke, every I time. I work in yeah. radio for a reason. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can still hear yourself. And, like, it's, yeah, I know. I like that, too. That's why I'm, I, I'm doing the podcast because I like, not to just hear myself, but, I mean, like, I do like to hear myself <laughs> sometimes. But I, I like the opportunity to hear other voices, too. And that's mm. why I loved um, broadcast journalism. Mm. And, I mean, I love print, too, but um, my I guess my passion was more toward. Oh, I get that. I I would not enjoy waking up very early to put on a lot of makeup. Like for some people, that's like, I want to be on camera. I want to look presentable. I'm like, I want to slide in a cup of coffee (laughs) and just chat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just chat. Shout out to to Crystal from KNWA who wakes up at 430 in the morning. They are so resilient. I saw her when I went to go do Good Day. Well, she's been a a guest here on the podcast, um, Crystal Martinez. And I saw her when I went to go do Good Day Day NWA. I was still waking up when I got there. Right? I was just like, I was drinking an energy drink trying to wake up. And she had just finished like a good portion of her work for the day. I'm like, Mm -hmm. how do you you wake up that early? How do you have to sleep? You have to sleep early? Your entire schedule changes. It really does. 
And I wanted to, you, you mentioned Jose. I wanted to give a shout out Jose Lopez Briviesca. Yes. Who used to, <laughs> used to run La, Pen, uh, La Prensa I Libre. Yeah. Uh, I had an interactions with him too when he, when he was here. He doesn't live in the area anymore, does he? No, I think he lives in Washington now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Could have sworn he went to Mexico for a little bit. He did. Okay. And then he moved, and I think he got his MBA or was pursuing an MBA. I think he received it. I'm pretty sure. I remember early on whenever we were uh, started doing community activism, he was one of the like consistent media who would like yeah. always put uh, made a, make a story about the work the work that we were doing. So yeah. I appreciate Jose. So shout out to him. He's um, going back to what you were saying about yeah. NWAC. You went to NWAC first, yeah. and I read, uh, I forgot if it was like an article or a post online talking mm-hmm. about how your experience at NWAC, I think you were, were you president of the student yeah. government? Yeah, I was. And, uh, <laughs> and you... I was so young. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's a cool experience, though, right? Yeah. I mean, it just kind of, I think you said something in that article uh, about how that experience helped you be able to talk to, like, other folks yeah. in, like, leadership positions and mm-hmm. navigate that space as yes. well. Yes, it did. It did. Because I was always in front of a room of like, you know, directors or the president of the college. I remember like I would have meetings with her one on one. And so, I mean, I was always a bit intimidated by these individuals. But I think that being in that room and being in that space and and being in that table really helped me with my confidence. I still lack a little bit of confidence at times, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it's just a learning Mm-hmm. process but yeah it, it really did help me develop a lot of the skills that I have today um, and it helped me just like network with people and meet people mm-hmm. you know because I can be like intimidating to like you know reach it's out a to skill it's a yeah. skill that has to be practiced that yeah. you know can be developed mm-hmm. and there's some people who are pros at it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and so I loved my time at NWAC it was the best I do not regret it at all if I could do it again I would do it again you meet a lot of good people there and, yes. and, and a lot mm-hmm. of the times, you know, like going to NWAC, it used to be some people used to like uh, look down on it. But mm-hmm. when you when you experience it, you're like, man, I'm getting a good education here. Good, yeah. great and teachers. For cheaper. Yeah. Yes. Like, sorry that I'm freaking saving money, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm getting a, and I'm <laughs> getting a great education here. Yeah. There's good, great students and, and, and it's a good experience. I mean, I honestly am so thankful because it is cheaper. Like you guys are saying, I'm debt free. I don't have debt. Even with my master's degree, I, I, I've had everything paid for from scholarships, yeah. um, financial aid at the time when I was an undergrad. And it all started at NWAC. And honestly, okay, in high school, I wasn't the best student, to be honest. I was um, C, D, A, B. I feel you. You know, <laughs> not the best. Um, and so I really didn't, I wanted to go to college, but I didn't know if I was going to. And when I went to NWAC, that's when I also built my confidence in education. I felt like I could do it. My professors believed in me. And I'm not saying that my teachers in high school didn't. They did. But it was just different at NWAC. Something like just clicked and triggered in me that mm. I, I think it was SGA, honestly, being mm-hmm. president. That responsibility made me mature and made me realize, okay, you, you are responsible for a team. Um, you're responsible for, an, you know, the image of, of the students for a year. And so I grew up that year, sort of, kind of had my ups and downs. But it made me confident, not just in myself, but in the way that I viewed education mm-hmm. and the way that I viewed myself, you know, in my education. So I, I appreciate NWAC so much. Did you have any siblings that went to NWAC or that went to college or did your, you know, parents, was this like, mm-hmm. did you always know like, I'm going to college, this is the like next step or well, what was that journey like? My mom, my sister did. My sister, yeah, she went to NWAC and then she went to the U of A. Um, but my mom actually, so back home, she stopped going to school, I want to say, at a young age. I'm not really sure when, and I, I want to say when, but I really don't know, so I can't really say. <laughs> yeah. um, but at a, young, I, at a young age, she stopped going to school. And so coming to the U.S., she had that dream for my sister and for, my mom, for me to go to school. Um, and so I always knew that I was going to college because my mom always told me that I was going to go. Um, you know, she... She didn't care where I was going to go. She was like, you can go to NWAC if you want. You can go to the U of A, but you're going to go to college. I want mm. you to go to college. And so um, it, it did get trickier when I got older because um, 
some things happened when, within my family. So financially, we weren't able to, to pay for college. Um, but financial aid really helped me so much mm. and scholarships to go to call to go to um, NWAC. And so I always I always knew that I was going to go. Um, now getting my master's, I always wanted a master's, but I didn't really know if, you know, if I was going to get it. I, I, or even you know, like the process of how do I even go about this? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, that's I had questions about that. Like, yeah. how, how did you um, go about it? Was it tricky navigating these spaces? Could you mm-hmm. rely on your sister kind of for information? I could, but at the same time, we were a little bit different. Um, you know, navigating the education system as like a Latino, Latino, Hispanic, sometimes, especially the first generation, you, you have to do it alone. Yeah. And so. Is um, she older than you? My sister, yeah. She's six years. Okay. And so um, she did try to help me as much as she could, but um, I still was doing a lot of the stuff alone. Yeah. It's figuring out everything yeah. from admissions to financials to. Yeah. This whole big burden. Just that when your financially doesn't go through and you have to go like print out some document to get a signature. Or from. just like track down somebody to talk to. Yeah. Which, which, I mean, honestly, <laughs> look, let's, let's be real. It's, it's also it's also a, a um, like a luxury to be able to get financial aid. So yeah. I can't complain oh. that much because there's, cause there's people you, you that don't do, have access yeah, to financial and you aid. Do, you know? But you do have to yeah. like fight for it. Like, That's true. Yeah. It's, That's yeah. true. You have it, to be your own advocate. It's such a blessing. Such yeah. a blessing. And I know that like my mom wanted to help me, but she couldn't, you know. Um, financially, she couldn't, but then also navigating the system. I think it was hard. You know, it was, it was hard for all of us, you know, even now. Now I'm, like, more confident because, I mean, I'm older and I can help others. And I want to help others, you know, who need the help, students who, who have questions. And even, like, if I have my own kids one day, I want them to be able to, I mean, get scholarships. Um, and I want to help them through, yeah. you know, the, the system, the education system, because it is hard to, to navigate. Definitely, definitely. And so... I want to talk about like the experience that you've had already because I was looking in, mm-hmm. in into some stuff online on you and and, and yeah. I saw that you've you've been web producer for KWA yeah. and other Fox affiliates mm-hmm. and then I also saw that you did an internship with NBC. Yes. How was that? The NBC? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was great. I loved love 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 Dateline. It was so funny because like so Dateline, you know, it's about murders and all that. Um, not just murder murders, but they have like different shows on like special like topics, but it's a lot of murder. Um, the producers are the nicest people. So positive. <laughs> like I love, I love them. My um, my former I guess manager from Dateline, incredible. She was so nice, um, and so I I loved it. My time there was great. I actually got to work on. Is that when you were in New York? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's okay. where I was actually diagnosed with MS. Okay. Not diagnosed. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Not diagnosed, but my symptoms started, and mm. that's where the process started. So I was actually. Multiple sclerosis, when I was, so when I initially started having the multiple sclerosis symptoms, I was with Dateline. It was okay. awful. That that part was awful. Mm. But it wasn't them, it was me. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, but no, my time with Dateline was amazing. I loved it. Dateline's the, they also do the To Catch a Predator, don't they? Like, one of, one of my all time favorite shows. Like true crime esque, <laughs> yeah. sort of. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's I don't cool. know if it's To Catch a I think I could have sort of was like Dateline To Catch a Predator. I, th- I, I think thought that's, that's what it ABC. was. I don't know. I don't know though. I could have sworn it, it was NBC. I don't know. Sure. So I'll have to fact check myself yeah, afterwards. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I've seen that show. Yeah, it's 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 a good show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's been it ended already, but it's, oh, really? it was a good show. Yeah. I know, yeah. It, they ended it um, because there's a rumor about that. I'm yeah, not sure if it's 100 percent true, what? but yes, I heard about but that there too. There is like some people are saying that the last episode that they that like Chris Hansen did, um, they caught some like prosecuting attorney yeah. in Texas. The biggest um, in the county, I think he was. Yeah, the some some person with like a lot of sway, oh. like politically. So kind of ended mm. short oh my there gosh. after. Yeah, have to double check that, but there's. That well, I think I saw an interview where supposedly uh, we always go off topic, but we have to talk <laughs> about these kind of things. <laughs> Chris Chris Hansen from from and from uh, To Catch a Predator, uh, they interviewed him for some other interview, and he and he said that. It wasn't because of that, but that was definitely something that caused like a lot of problems. Because I think the the prosecutor um, barricaded himself in his house or something. There was like people outside, the cops trying to get him out. And I think like a potential libel suit too. That like and he died by suicide. So um, wow. Oh yeah. wait, you're right. It is to catch a predator. Dateline. Right. NBC. It is. 
Yeah, like there's an image right there. Oh yeah, I used to, I used to watch that every. every I binge watched that. I had no idea. You probably could have seen Chris Hansen oh, around yeah. the studio when you were there. You didn't, and you didn't know. <laughs> I saw so actually um, one time for when we were having lunch, we saw, and I even took a picture with him. Um, what's his name? Lester. Uh, Holt. Oh. Holt. Yeah. Holt. 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 Yeah. Um, I met him sort of, and then I also met Megan Kelly because okay. at the time that I was with Dateline. Her show was starting Sunday night with Megan Kelly. Mm. She was cool. Is she cool? At the time, yeah, she was really nice. Okay. Um, I mean, I know that she had her her issues with NBC and stuff, and um, what she did was I'm not saying that it was right mm-hmm. at all. Um, but when I met her, she was actually really nice. Um, she came up to me and they introduced me, or I came up to her. And this producer introduced me to her, and she was like, oh, how old are you? And I told her, and she was like, oh, you, the world's your oyster, or something like that. I was like, mm. oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But she did say that. Um, but she was cool. I mean, at the time, she was nice. I, Sometimes I, people are different than what they are on TV, which is yeah. good, in a good way sometimes. Yeah. Because you know? yeah. sometimes people play this this personality where they're like, you know, I'm sticking to this to these politics, yeah. and I'm just going to keep on uh, saying yeah. all these things that could be hurtful. But when you meet them in person, they're like actually nice people. They're just doing that because that's what their yeah. job tells them to do. You know? Yeah. It, producers, politicians, mm-hmm. like sometimes meeting them and versus like their online persona and yeah. what's highlighted in the media is very different. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my gosh, you're actually like, <laughs> yeah. a nice person. Yeah. <laughs> But my, my, like, time with her was so short, though, so I don't really, like, know her very well, but she was nice to me when I I met her and I was in front of her. How was the experience meeting Marilena Salinas? Oh, it was great. Actually, when I saw her, I ran (laughs) to her. I would, too. I would, too. (laughs) I was like, can I take a picture with you? And she's like, yeah. And so we did, and then I left. (laughs) <laughs> no, if, no, if I would have ran at her. But, uh, probably would have called security because yeah. that looks a little intimidating. Yeah. You see this man see running dude, towards running me. <laughs> what did she do? Yeah. That must have been so cool yeah. to I, see that. Oh, my gosh. It was so amazing. She's so amazing. I just, like, I was so, like, starstruck when I saw her. I was like, you're, like, my childhood. Because <laughs> she's, like, one of, I guess, you, one of your role models, right? Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. She was amazing. For me, like, I'm going to tell, tell you about a cool experience that I had, right? Okay. So I, I was at the Chancellor Hotel, not not far from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think it was back in, like, 2018, 2019. And I was doing a radio for a radio podcast, a radio show for my friend Alejandro Rojas, who had a radio there at the at the Chancellor Hotel. He recorded there for some reason. Yeah. So. That's cool. so I go and I and I do his show, and then uh, my wife is with me, mm-hmm. and we're going downstairs to the lobby. And as I enter the lobby, I turn tur- I turn to my right, and I hear a voice that that reminds me of like my not my childhood, but. Uh, my teenagers, I was like, wait, I used to hear that voice every night. Like, what voice is that? And then I keep on walking. Jay Leno's right there. Getting his room. What? Yeah. And he's, he's joking around with the ladies. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I'm like in shock because I used to watch him every night. The Tonight Show with Jay yeah. Leno. I used yeah. to watch it every night. Yeah. Like, it was like, because I spent a lot, of, a lot of my teenage years by myself because my mom was working. My sister had moved out. So I would, yeah. I would literally watch the late night shows every. Yeah. And, he, and he's one of the persons that I've looked up to mm-hmm. in the media space and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was there. He was so nice. Like I was, I, so I, I went up That's to so him. Cool. I asked for a picture because yeah. I didn't even want to waste his time and have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. But then he's like, he's like, "What are you doing here? You're like, what are you up to this weekend? Like, all this there." And I'm like, "Why are you asking me what <laughs> <laughs> about myself? Yeah. About myself?" That's and so and, nice. uh, and yeah, I took a I took a picture with yeah. him and uh, posted so it on all my social medias because I was like, "What he was doing in Arkansas?" He was performing at the Walnut Center that night. I didn't even know. Oh, That's so cool. I asked him what he was doing. He's like, "Yeah, yeah I'm performing." But meeting meeting your your like role models yeah. and then being good people yeah such a good feeling i know they say never meet your heroes but i'm like Not i want to meet them i want to see if they're good people <laughs> yeah that's so funny we had Ra- rachel's flex was that she uh, got to interview carlos santana I <gasps> and he was so wendy he was so nice he was so nice and it was just a phone interview but mm-hmm. i was telling Irvin um when it happened are we had to they called us like last minute because we yeah. had to call the hotel like yeah. under a fake name oh, and so really? the name changed i don't know there was some security thing that's so we had cool. to like <laughs> we we're like beating the clock yeah. and then right as we're calling mm-hmm. all the internet in the building shuts down oh my god and we have wi-fi phones so i'm like no and oh. me it's me and kyle yeah. doing the interview and we're just like no yeah no 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 we want to but we ended it all ends up working out we mm-hmm. like call him um and 
he just was very interested in my questions. Like, mm. after people are literally shouting your name like yeah. you're God or something yeah. for no. the entirety of your life, pretty yeah. much, and performing these huge stadiums and, mm. and meeting these, like, amazing artists, mm. you deserve to be a little snobby. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't blame you if <laughs> yeah. you're a little snobby and don't yeah. want to listen to this tiny little reporter's questions. Mm. But he did, and he was, like, genuinely interested. Yeah. And I'm like, you were so cool. I remember listening to you growing up. Mm. I love that. And I spoke Spanish with him. I yeah. was like, that's it. I'm happy. Oh, My I year is made. <laughs> I love that. It's always nice to, like, you know, get to meet, yeah, your hero or someone that you admire. And, yeah, that they're nice. Oh they're gosh. good people. Yeah. And even if they're not, no, you got to meet yeah. them. Yeah, you, you got to meet them. I got the, I got the picture. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I got the likes on Instagram. I'm for fine. <laughs> that's what matters. <laughs> right? It does. It does. Uh, so you didn't, um, you weren't that fond of your time in New York. Based on what you said. Yeah. Uh, and, and was there a specific reason? Was it just like the traffic? And is that why you didn't like it? Yeah. I mean, so I, so New York is very stressful, just the environment. Everybody mm. is, you know, wanting to be somewhere. And so it's just stressful. And so I was always stressed. Mm. Um, and I started feeling sick. Mm. I started feeling a lot of fatigue. Um, I started going numb. Um, from, like, my stomach down. I started having all these symptoms, um, and it just wasn't a good time for me. Mm. And I would always get really frustrated because my roommates would go out to Broadway and to, like, parties and, and, and clubs, and, and they would invite me, and I wanted to go, but I was just so tired that I never went, and I regret that. Is that also a symptom, like tiredness? Yeah, so fatigue, so with multiple sclerosis, fatigue is um, a big symptom. Numbness is a big symptom as well, going numb, some sort of like part of your body. Um, and then another one that I had, I actually, I'm trying to think, oh yeah, yeah. So my cognitive function was also off. So whenever people would talk to me during that summer, I would have a really hard time understanding what they were saying which was really frustrating for me. And then also memory was really hard. I would forget certain things. And so at the time I didn't really realize, like I kind of thought, oh, it's just me, I'm tired. You know, I've been walking a lot. Like I'm walking all over the city. This is a new city. Um, but then things started getting worse and I eventually went to the doctor and um, they did an MRI and that's when we sort of knew what it was, but not really because I needed to get more tests done. Mm. At the time when you were getting these symptoms, mm -hmm. I mean, what did you think? Did MS even kind of cross your mind as something? Oh, God, no. Like, possible? No. I actually thought, so the first symptom that I had was, I believe, the numbness. So yeah. I was numb for a, about a month. Wow. I was going to ask you about how, like, what was the length? Yeah, it was about a month. Okay. And at the time, I was like, I'm just walking a lot. It's fine. I'm good. Mm -hmm. You know, Um and then, actually, I forgot to say this, too. Um, I started feeling tipsy. So, you know when you're drunk and, mm. you know, you feel a little tipsy, you're off? That's how I felt the whole summer. And I didn't even have, like, Whoa. any, like, alcohol, which was weird. So I was like, why do I feel this way? And so I felt tipsy. I went numb. And then the next one was um, my hearing. So I stopped, like, my, I think it was my right side. Um, I stopped hearing as well. And at the time this is gonna sound really gross I thought it was wax <laughs> mm. so I was like my hair is just dirty you know it's yeah whatever so you know all those symptoms happening I never thought it was gonna be MS I never even knew what an MS was and to be honest when they finally told me like we think you have MS I was very ignorant and basically was like can I get an antibiotic mm. and they looked at me like no <laughs> that's not how it works mm. but to be honest no I I didn't know that it was MS at all or I didn't even know it existed at the time I just thought it was just me being tired being in a new city um I kind of just ignored it to be mm -hmm. honest I wanted to ignore it but okay. I couldn't at one point so generally speaking um you know because I know it's different for everybody but mm -hmm. generally speaking like what is MS for those that don't know yeah so multiple sclerosis um, so I'm not a doctor right it's different for everyone but multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disease um, basically, what happens is that um, the myelin sheath that is basically protecting the nerve is exposed. 
And so depending on where it's happening in the brain or in your spine, um, you know, your body's affected. So for me, um, I had brain damage. Currently I have brain damage. And then also um, I have like damage in my spine and, and things like that. And so when I was going through like the the numbness in my legs, um, I believe that was because of like, I don't even know what area in my brain, but an area in my brain was being affected. Like the nerve was being exposed as well as my spine. And so some people with MS can experience fatigue. Um, they can experience mobility, you know, difficulties with their mobility, cognitive um, issues like I do at I have sometimes um, memory loss. Um, I'm trying to think what other things. Um, speech as well. Your speech can be um, affected. I'm thankful that mine hasn't been affected, but it, it could be, right? Anyone. Um, it, and it depends. It varies from person to person on what happens because some people are diagnosed. There's three stages of, of multiple sclerosis, and the one that I was diagnosed with is um, relapsing remitting. So it's like the first stage. Um, and so it just depends on, like, the person and what, what they can experience. But fatigue is, was a big one for me, too. Is any of that it, – it, uh, can that be inherited, MS? So – no, no, not, I uh, know. It can't, they don't really understand why it happens. So you don't really know if it's genetics. They say it's not. Um, but I don't think so, no. Because no one in my family has MS. Well, I don't think so. Mm. Um, that's another thing. A lot of people can live with MS and just not know oh. that they have the mm. symptoms. Because the thing is, um, to be diagnosed with MS, it's such a long process. The relapsing period you have to basically go through a relapse for like more than a month for them to actually be like okay this is ms and they have to do an mri a spinal tap blood work because they want to eliminate all the other um, conditions like lupus um but it's a long process mm -hmm. you know some people can experience numbness for like a week and they might still not get the diagnosis mm -hmm. of ms but it might be ms right mm -hmm. um so technically I like to say that you basically like get diagnosed when it's the worst, when you're going through the worst, um, which kind of sucks because <laughs> yeah. you can be having all these symptoms and just kind of ignore them. And your doctors at the same time, you know, won't question it until it gets worse. Yeah. Like, I don't want to have to wait until this is a breaking point for yeah. you to do something about this. Yeah. Were doctors like kind of alluding to this fact or like, did you kind of have to be your own advocate in that space? I'm very thankful that my doctor, so in New York City, when I went and got my ears checked, um, I went to an ear throat specialist, ear throat something specialist. Yeah. Right, um, so I went and he was amazing, incredible. He wanted to get an MRI done and he sat down with me and told me, I don't think this is a tumor, but I think it is something. And so um, he basically... Did, so they did the MRI. Um, the radi radiologist read the, the scan, um, gave his opinion, his or her opinion, or their opinion. Um, and basically, like, I sat down with my doctor again, and he said that, you know, they couldn't diagnose me officially because I needed other tests. But they were also, like, on my side. And what he did, which was amazing, um, no other doctor has ever done this for me, is that he actually called a colleague who mm. – um, was a neurologist, I think she still is, and asked her to talk to me on the phone for 30 minutes. And so because I just couldn't see her because I was actually coming back to Northwest Arkansas, and so we talked on the phone for 30 minutes. She looked at my scans. Um, she basically told me, you know, I do think you have a mess, but you, in order for me to diagnose you, you would have to stay here with me, and I would have to, like, you know, do more tests. But looking at your scans, hearing your symptoms, I can see where the damage has been made. Um, and she was incredible. Like, honestly, all of these individuals were, were amazing. And I really do believe it was because I was in New York City. I don't know what it would have been like if I, if I was here in Northwest Arkansas. Um, yeah. But it was because of that doctor. Um, I really do believe that. It was because of him and because, you know, um, because of God's, like, grace as mm. well that I got the diagnosis so quickly. I was going to ask, people. like, what that, what that process was because. Yeah. How old were you? Yeah. I was, that was in 2017, 
How old am I now? <laughs> you don't have to say your age if you don't want. <laughs> okay. No, actually, I was, um, I'm going to get this wrong. I think I was 22 or 21. Mm. 21. I want to No, 22. 22. Right? 20. And the reason why I was going to ask about the process is because, um, for example, you know, my wife, she had ga- gastrointestinal issues mm-hmm. and, uh, and just navigating the space, the yeah. health, the healthcare space is really difficult. Mm. Adv- you have to like advocate for yourself. Yeah. Because I know I know there's even statistics that say like women of color are are taken less seriously. Yeah. You know, in these like clinics and, and hospitals and stuff. Yeah. And in your case, it's like even harder to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you don't like you don't use the word diagnose. You what was the term that you used to to talk about MS? You said that you. No, I used di- diagnosed. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. I thought diagnosed wasn't a word no, that you would yeah. like to use. Yeah. No, I used diagnosed. Okay. Yeah. Um. So that process that didn't seem to be too long for you for you to find out, right? Cause, no. Because of that doctor. I'm so thankful. Yeah. No, because of him. Honestly, he like pushed for it. Like he was like, "No, we're gonna get you the MRI. I think there's something wrong. I don't think you have a tumor, but I think you have something." And I was like, "Okay, whatever." How um, did you like take that news when you, you know? DMS? Yes. Oh, God. I was so ignorant at that time. I basically, like, no joke, I looked at him and I was like, great, I'm so glad we know now. Can I get an antibiotic? Yeah, like, what will get me out the door? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that was my, because honestly, at that time, I was just think, I was thinking, okay, I'm at Dateline, I'm an intern, I'm about to graduate, I need to hurry this process up, mm. I want to get a job, and all these things, right? Like, I'm going to move to New York City. That was, like, what was on my mind, and not yeah. really, like, the MS or the diagnosis and then he basically was like look I want I don't want you to look on the internet I don't want you to research or search um, the word multiple sclerosis because there's so many things out there and it's not true and so I immediately looked (laughs) in front of him (laughs) and was like I still don't know what this is Um, and he gave me his phone number his personal number and he was like if you ever get scared or you want to talk like, please call me. And so I was like, okay, thank you. And so I still didn't know. I got out of his office, called my one of my really good friends, one of my best friends. And she was like, how did it go? And when I told her, that's when I realized and cried. Because I was like, oh, they said that I have MS or that I might have MS. And she was like, oh, no. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. And I bawled. I started crying, and I was like, my life is over. What does this mean? Mm. Because I I trusted her. I still trust her so much. And she was actually looking into going to the medical field. Mm. So that freaked me out even more. And oh. then she was like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. And... I I I I, th- I was thinking like when you said originally how the doctor told you and you were just like oh okay well give me an antibiotic yeah I was like did it I wonder if that was actually a good thing that you didn't take the news like like uh like it didn't hit you as hard just yeah. for your own like mental health and I your own health was. in general <laughs> yeah and and mm-hmm. and uh, maybe the fact that you were able to talk to your friend about it and, and mm-hmm. she was there as a support system that that was like a easy not an easier but like a I guess a, a lesser blow. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but but living with MS now, uh, Wendy, what does it look like for you? Like after mm-hmm. you left New York and you're here in Arkansas, yeah. like what is what does it look like for you on a, on a daily basis? Sometimes I forget that I, you know, was diagnosed with MS, to be honest, um, just because like life is so normal now. I I do my best to like, you know, keep up with my health, whether whether that be like, you know, eating more like healthy Um exercising but to be honest there I do have my days where I have a lot of fatigue um which sucks fatigue sucks for anybody right that like feeling of being so tired and not being able to to get like through it um so sometimes I do feel fatigue um sometimes I'll have numbness uh, if I have like a stressful day and my stress is really high then I'll have a few symptoms um, here and there, but it's not a relapse, which I'm so thankful for. Um, I'll have some, like, sometimes I, I have a little bit of, like, cognitive issues. So, you know, memory, sometimes my memory's off, unless I'm really invested. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but my memory's a little bit off sometimes. Um, but not too bad, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, I have my days... But I try to be as positive as I, as I can, and I try not to think about it too much mm. because I feel like the days that I do think about it, it just hits me all over again, and I'm like, oh, crap, I hate MS. 
mm-hmm. you know. And then I I start to to feel sorry for myself, and I'm like, no, I can't do that. I have to like just keep going. I have to keep living my life because, you know, like that um, neurologist said, you know, at the end of our conversation, um, for those 30 minutes, she was basically giving me like the process of what I was going to go through, and then at the end, she basically told me. If, you know, I know I gave you a lot of information, but the one thing I want you to, like, you know, understand and remember is that MS is not your life. I have so many patients who, who live with MS, who are diagnosed with MS, and they have kids, and they have careers, and they are, they're happy. So don't let MS, you know, become your life. And so I, like, really took that um, to heart. And so I, I try not to, like, you know, think about it too much because I – you know, while going through the, the process of being diagnosed, one of my neurologists here in Northwest Arkansas actually told me, like, I'm scared for you that you're going to end up in a, in a wheelchair. And so that really freaked me out. And, you know, today I'm not. I'm so thankful that I'm not in a wheelchair and I'm, I'm able to walk. I'm able to run. I'm able to do CrossFit. Not as mm. great, <laughs> but I'm able to do it. I can't even do CrossFit. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's really it's hard. hard. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, I act like I'm doing it. <laughs> but I, I honestly, you know, the CrossFit that I'm actually a part of, they've made me stronger. And I'm so thankful mm. for them and, and their lives and and allowing me to, to do exercises with them. And they understand my condition, right? They understand that I'm not always capable of doing everything but they check up on me every time I'm doing exercises they're like are you okay and I'm like yeah I'm good but I honestly like this process has been so long and and hard but you know it's been it's been rewarding so every day is different but I'm very thankful so you you mentioned when you were talking about MS like the is is the correct word um when you were talking about the types of MS, like mm-hmm. the one that you were diagnosed with, yeah. Um, how is that different from the other ones? So, a relapsing remitting is like the first stages. Um, so you basically have like relapses, but then it goes away, and so you're in remission for a little bit, and then it can come back maybe, and then go into remission again. And then the other stages, um, there's progressive, and then there's another one, I think. Or maybe progressive Progressive is the last one. But the other two stages, basically, that's when you're, you're really declining, mm. and it, it's getting worse. And medication may not be able to, to help. Um, mm. Or not just not – I'm probably saying that wrong, but you're just getting worse in a way, which, yeah. which is really sad, and it's, and it's hard to be diagnosed with, with those um, – is there um, is there something that you can do to be like proactive in the stage that you're in? Because mm-hmm. it seems like you're, uh, are you in the? I think it sounds like you're in the most like last dangerous st- yeah. uh, stage. Yeah. Um, is there something that you can do to be proactive besides like the exercising and stuff? Like, yeah. have, have your doctors told you yeah. anything? Advised you on it? So my doctors, I mean, not really. They've they've um talk to me about like medication and stuff that I can take and I have taken medication but I'm no longer on medication right now because I've decided not to be to be honest my like what's helped me so much is the way that I eat um the way that I live my life uh my stress level keeping my stress level down has helped so much because when I'm super stressed that's when um the symptoms sort of come back a little bit um, but also like the food that I eat, you know, I'm not saying that I'm the best eater right now. Sometimes I do have like, you know, a croissant or something. <laughs> um, I just like it. But, um, I noticed that, you know, when I eat healthy, it just helps me so much. Mm. It really does. When I stay away from like dairy and gluten and sugar and, you know, I stick to vegetables and, you know, chicken and fish you know, and I have my vitamins, vitamin D, vitamin B12, all of that. It helps so much and exercising and keeping my, re- reducing my stress. Mm. Those are the things that have help, helped me so much and have made me realize that I may not need medication personally. Um, if ever needed, I would go back. But for now, like I'm, I'm doing really well. Mm-hmm. They, I do have my days again. But because I'm eating, like, you know, I'm not mm. the best and I have lattes. <laughs> you got to <laughs> live. I know. When I'm, I'm curious about um, journalism, and it depends on the, mm-hmm. the, the type of journalism that you do, but it can be, like, a pretty stressful environment. Um, a lot of hard news, oh, yeah. crazy hours sometimes. Oh, yeah. Th- like, just things on your mind in general. Yeah. Um, how do you navigate those 
you know, mm-hmm. two different worlds. Yeah. It was really, so when I was first diagnosed, um, it was really stressful. Mm. Um, you know, I worked at KNWA and the people were really nice, but just doing the work, you know, knowing that, you know, my, my for some reason, uh, my cognitive function wasn't really like functioning very well. Being in a lot of pain, because I was in a lot of pain at the time, I had what's called the MS hug, where like you feel like something's like really tight and hugging you, and it's awful. Mm. I was in so much pain during that time, um, and so it was really difficult to navigate. And I think you know that was one of the reasons why I sort of left the news industry, just because I, you know, the the stress was getting to me. Mm. And so um, I used to love the stress. I used to be like that. Used to actually. I, yeah, like the adrenaline yeah. junkie yeah. sort of. I loved it, but um, when I was diagnosed, I find like you know I was like, no, I have to take care of myself because when I lost my health, I lost everything basically. Mm. You know, um, if I wasn't healthy, if I didn't feel good, I couldn't be, do anything, and so it was hard. It was really hard navigating. You know, wanting to be a, a journalist and and not feeling well, and I think that's why I decided to go into more of the PR side, Mm -hmm. which I absolutely love. I still do, you know, I'm still sort of like a journalist because I'm telling stories, you know. um, I'm protecting the image of a a company or of a client, you know, which is a lot of fun. Um, And you're also doing that podcast for your thesis, right? Can you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, this podcast is amazing. (laughs) Um, I'm not to say that because I'm doing it. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Um, So my podcast, um, it's called... Inspirando el Futuro, stories about Latina leaders in Northwest Arkansas. Mm. Um, and so I've interviewed 16 different people. Uh-huh. And I have around, I want to say, 10 Latinas in Northwest Arkansas who, who are featured on the podcast. Cool. And then I have around six experts from across the, the nation. So this podcast, basically, um, what I wanted to do is I wanted to feature Latinas in leadership and talk about their stories. Go, like, mm. kind of take a deep dive into to who they are. And so I have, like, the Mara Baker, mm. the founder and owner, owner of Rock and Baker. I don't mm. know if you've heard of the yes. bakery. But they, ha- like, they're, the work that they do is incredible. They help individuals um, who are a part of the neurodivergence community. Um, and, you know, I talk about her story, why she came to, you know, um, Northwest Arkansas and, you know, how she became a leader and things like that. Um, and then I have people like Juanita Franklin, mm-hmm. um, Beverly Agurro, I think that's how you, how you say her name. Um, and then I have other individuals as well in it, just talking about, like, you know, their stories. And I'm really excited about it. I'm really, really excited to release it. It won't be released until like May, mm-hmm. um, but it is my thesis project. Mm-hmm. And I have about five episodes and one digital extra. So I'm excited, yeah. And this isn't the first podcast you've done, right? Yeah, no, this, I think this is my second one. The first one, I was like, it was actually about, again, Latinos living in Northwest Arkansas, and living in the, the name. South. I forgot the name too. I don't. Um, oh yeah. Um, for a better it, life. Yes, for a better life. That yes. one. Yes. Yeah, and I won two awards for that one. Yes, I was yeah. about to say. I'm like that was recognized. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what was that one about? Um, for a better life was about Latinos and Latinas in Northwest Arkansas. Sort of the same, but their journey to the U.S. Mm. Um, and what they do now. It's so cool. And yeah. I even, I love the name so much because it reminds me of like what all of our parents said, you mm-hmm. know, I came here for a better life for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that just hearing that, I'm like, just, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. if you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I loved it. I love that podcast. What do you, what do you think your advocacy, your advocacy looks like, like in the future in regards mm-hmm. to either it being journalism or mm-hmm. MS, what are some goals of stuff that you want to do? That you've thought of because I know sometimes yeah. you, we don't think too much ahead right but maybe yeah. there is something in your mind that you're like I want to do this to to advocate yeah I think one of the things that I want to do one day so I, I definitely want to get a job right um I don't know where um but I want to be able to make enough money to set up like a scholarship mm-hmm. for Latinos and Latinas um I think that's one of the things like in the future right maybe mm-hmm. like a 10 year five year yeah <laughs> like you know but that's something that I've always had um 
you know, I've always dreamed of mm -hmm. setting up a scholarship for someone. The way that I've been helped, I feel like I want to help others too. Mm -hmm. It's hard, you know, to, to pay for school and, you know, your parents want to help, but it's also hard to live. And yeah. so that's what I want. You know, I want to be able to make money and be able to give back to my community and, you know, the people who have helped me. You know, it's kind of like a cycle. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my parents have helped me so much and I want to like be able to help them. But I definitely want to be able to help a student or a couple students, mm -hmm. you know, be able to to do what they want to do and, and release their dreams, too. You know, so that's one of the things I, I definitely see myself one day in the future doing, setting up a scholarship one day, hopefully, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's part, I guess, part of my advocacy that I want to do, just help, you know, other individuals in mm -hmm. the future. I think for now, too, like, I would love to continue this podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've learned so much from these Latinas about our community. I had no idea... Um, I had like I had no clue that the neurodivergence community existed until mm. this podcast, and mm. you know um, they educated me on it, and I absolutely loved it. Like I was like, this is amazing, um, you know. And there's so many stories out there. You know, there's Latinas in STEM, Latinas who are doctors, Latinas mm. who are pastors, and so I feel like this could like, you know, I could expand this mm -hmm. um, project into different, you know elements different episodes um and i would love to right if i've if, if i'm given the opportunity to do it i would totally do it i would take it yeah. um but i just don't know yet right what the future holds right now i'm just trying to get through the semester i'm trying to get through this project um and then we'll see what happens right if i get a job in in an agency or if i end up doing something else i just don't know yet you'll be looking for a job after me right yes yeah mm. yeah so anybody listening but no yeah i'll be looking i'm actually currently looking for a job um okay. i'm still like yeah i mean any opportunity i'm open to opportunity to be honest mm -hmm. um and i'm just excited about the future even though sometimes I get really scared because when I was diagnosed with MS, this, I was actually in the same kind of um, stage. Not like, high, like high, kind of? Like, like a limbo, like yeah, similar so, things happening. Yeah. So like, yeah, I was graduating. That's, you know, I was getting ready to go to work and, mm -hmm. and things like that. So that's when I was diagnosed with MS. So I do have a little bit of, I guess, PTSD from mm -hmm. that. Like I get nervous because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm... I'm graduating again and, 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 and those feelings are coming back of like what if something happens so I'm I'm excited about the future and I'm excited for the next step but also I, I get nervous sometimes I about it I think everything will go well hopefully I think yeah. it'll be fine right. I'm hoping I'm but I definitely done. understand <laughs> the whole PTSD thing I, I mm -hmm. completely understand because yeah. I mean just for other things sometimes whenever you go through an experience and, and you're going through it again you're like wait something's about to happen and if there's even yeah. anything vaguely familiar yeah. about the situation it just like all the memories come rushing back exactly and you want to be you want to be optimistic but then you're like wait a minute yeah, I, I don't want to be too optimistic. <laughs> yeah, place. yeah. But I am excited. I am excited about this project. I absolutely love this project. And it isn't because of me. It is because of the women who are a part of it and the yeah. people who are a part of it. These people have been so vulnerable with me. They've opened up. They've talked. And I'm so thankful that they, you know, decided to be a part of this. Just because, like, in the beginning of this project, I was like, three episodes, three guests. That's it. And then it turned into... 16 guests, five episodes, one <laughs> digital extra. And I've had guests that I never thought I could like actually like get in, get in contact with, yeah. which has been amazing. Um, and I'm just like proud of myself too, mm -hmm. that I was able to do this because at first, so when I made the final decision of like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this podcast, that was around January. And so I felt like, you know, I'm on a time crunch. I have to finish in May. But looking at my pro the process right now and looking at everything that I've done so far, I always get really, I guess, excited and proud just because I'm like, okay, I'm almost done. Oh, my God. Something that I thought I wasn't going to do, I, I, I'm doing. Line. It's coming. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited. Well, I, I've heard it, but I'm excited to hear the, the yeah, I see you product. editing it on Instagram sometimes. You yeah. put the little screenshots. I'm I like, just can't resist. having fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I just have to put it out there. I need to know. <laughs> I'm like, everybody. A little teaser here and yeah. there. And it comes out in May. 
Yes. yes. I should come out in May. I'm hoping that it comes out in May, yeah. I'm we'll excited. reach out so you can come back here and talk yes. about it. Okay. That way you can, you you can promote it. <laughs> I mean, it's on recording now, so I got to do it. No, but I will. But, Wendy, thank you for being thank here. You. I appreciate you making the time. I'm, I'm glad that you're here. Mm-hmm. And it's also very inspiring just to see your journey and how, like, you have, like, a warrior mentality where you're just, like, you're not going to let this let me down. Like, yes, it's okay to cry sometimes. Yeah. It's fine. If you need to cry, cry it out. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> but you, you seem to, to continue pushing forward, which is really inspiring for me. And I'm, I bet you. you for the people listening today. Um, and I'm excited to buy everything that's coming in the future for you. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you for letting thank us you. ask about your story. And thank you. I love that. And I hope thank it you. helps people, you know, that if there are folks out there that, you know, uh, have MS too, you mm-hmm. know, and, and need to hear from someone like you who's who's still doing so many things and mm-hmm. and uh and yeah i just i'm so appreciative of you being here so thank you thank you no thank you for having me honestly like thank you for inviting me you guys are amazing and i love your podcast so oh. thank you guys well thank you well thank everybody you. that's listening that was episode 179 of the district three podcast my name is edwin and i'm rachel sanchez smith signing off